Hi, folks. This is Tim Heidecker. You might know me from Tim and Eric and from other uh, movies and TV shows and everything. I host a semi-weekly call-in show called Office Hours. It's uh, broadcast live on my YouTube channel, and it becomes a podcast almost immediately afterwards. So sign up. Thanks to Starburns Audio for making it possible. It's a terrific show. We take your calls. We talk about whatever you want, and we respect you, and we, lo- we love listening to your thoughts. It's a lot of good. It's a lot of fun, and we have Doug Lucenhop, DJ Doug Pound, with me. It's a show that you're going to want to explore. It's a show you're going to want to share with your family and your friends and pass along to your uncle. I think he's going to enjoy it as well. Hey, guys. Sklar Brothers here with Dan Van Kirk. Yes. From Dumb People Town. And we've got Adam from Adam Ruins Everything. Adam Conover on the show this Hello. week. Hello. Good time in Dumb People Town, right? I mean, you like to make people smarter. When they finish watching your show and try to do. listen to your podcast, they try and be smarter. We are going to not be focusing on those people in this, <laughs> in this episode. No, but we are going to focus on possibly the greatest eyewitness to any one of our stories. Mulver. 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 The first story Mulver. has one of the greatest Dumb People Town characters everywhere ever and he didn't actually do anything wrong (laughs) check it out today's episode is brought to you by last rampage the new true crime film starring robert patrick heather graham and bruce davison and we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie hi my name is heather graham and i'm playing dorothy tyson in the movie the last rampage The Last Rampage is a true story about uh, Gary Tyson and how his sons broke him out of prison, and uh, it's a very dark story, and Gary Tyson is not a good guy. I play his wife, and I'm super loyal and devoted to him, even though he's pretty much the worst person in the world. One thing I think is interesting about the movie is a lot of these movies, they tell a story about like, oh, this rebellious guy who was this cool gunslinger and, you know, he did it all these wrong things, but he did it for the right reason. And I think this story sort of turns that story on its head because it's got, at first you think he's a cool guy, but then you're like, no, this guy is just like a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic jerk. I like stories about real people. I think sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Like, I mean, some of the stuff that happens, you just go, I can't believe this is real, but it's real. And then if you do more research, it's even stranger than the stuff they put in the script. It's just like, sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at Last Rampage Film or on Facebook.com slash Last Rampage Film. This episode of The X-Files Files is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. A better web starts with your website. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code XFILESFILES at checkout. Hey, welcome to the X-Files Files. I'm Kamal Nanjiani, your host. So this is a very special episode of the X-Files Files. Files. Uh, I'm talking to Dean Haglund, who plays uh, Richard Langley of The Lone Gunman. Um, Somebody on Twitter said that I should have him 
on the show. I contacted him. He responded. He was very interested. I went over to his home, and we talked about EBE. And um, I was a little nervous in meeting him, but he was a very, very nice guy and loves the show and loves talking about it and had a ton of great stories. So this is a really, really fun episode. Um, follow me on Twitter at xfilesfiles. Email me at thexfilesfiles at gmail.com. Go to the go to the subreddit for xfilesfiles. Files. Talk about the show there. Um, and hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Oh, and I should mention my new TV show, The Meltdown with Jonah and Kumail, which is a stand-up comedy show that I'm hosting. It's going to start uh, July 23rd. That's Wednesday night, technically Thursday morning at 12.30 a.m., right after at midnight. And the first episode is absolutely fantastic, and we have a ton of amazing um, episodes of that. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic's in one of them. Um, Nick Offerman did it. Adam Scott is in the pilot. Um, so we have a ton of... Uh, great comedians on that it's a really 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 good show i'm really really proud of it uh so please watch that and the first episode is free on uh, comedycentral.com and also on itunes and amazon so uh please watch that show hey welcome to the x-files files this is kamel nanjani very excited what? uh to have uh dean Hanglin. look at that there Kamel, you go. Thank you so much. Richard Langley. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I'll tell you, this is weird. I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but okay. when I was, um, I, we're at, in your building right now. Yes. I was outside your... I hear people walking past us and pizza delivery all day. Uh, that's good. Yeah, okay. it, it'll feel very lived in. <laughs> yes. uh, but outside the door, I don't know how you're going to feel about this, but I was looking for your phone number to call you, and yeah. I actually searched for Langley, yeah. which is... <laughs> <laughs> but on the, yeah, yeah, no just I like nope. Yeah. There's no Langley. I don't know no. a Langley. Dean, dude, thanks so much for doing this. Thank Such you. A thrill. So exciting. Um, so uh, I just watched. Uh, well, obviously, you're one of the lone gunmen. I watched right. the first episode where you guys show up. EBE. Yeah, the very first one, episode 16 of the first season. So how did it feel when you first? Because when I watch it, obviously, I knew the lone gunman becomes such a big part of it. And even in this first episode. I try and divorce myself from knowing that you guys become such a major part of the show. Just right. watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to see these guys again. These right. guys should be part of the show. When you guys were brought on, like, did you know this was going to develop into such a huge no thing? No way. There was no – in fact, uh, they were so not going to have us back that if you look at the first five appearances of, of The Lone Gunman – I'm wearing a different set of glasses each and every episode because <laughs> the props guy just had a big plastic bag of glasses. Oh. So just as I was walking on set just before, because I didn't audition with those things, so those were fake. Yeah. And so just before I walk on set, a props guy comes, oh, here, take a, take some glasses out of the bag. I'm like, oh, okay, black horn rooms. They're all black horn rooms, but they're all kind of different. Different. Right? So I threw one on, and then we do the scene, and they go, okay, have a good day, everybody. Just chuck them back in the bag. And then we get called back. Like, Were you, like, so stoked? So stoked I didn't have to audition. Like, yeah. oh, man, that's awesome. Okay. And then we come back, and the props guy goes, oh, my God, do you, do you remember what glasses you wore? <laughs> oh, no. That's your job. That's your job. He goes, uh, oh, here, just wear these. And then I put them on. They're completely different. And then I uh, throw them in again. And then the next time, uh, wear a different pair. And then even the cameraman goes, Hey, where's those cool glasses that <laughs> reflected the light? Like it was reflecting the light. Those aren't the ones. <laughs> I don't know. Talk to the props guy. Yeah. Like you know, every episode. So finally, around the fifth time we appeared, the props guy goes, "Okay, are these the ones? Because we're gonna keep these outside yeah. the giant plastic bag." Dude, that's so exciting. Because <laughs> and e know. even to the point where Frohickey 
is played by the first AD. The first AD, Tom Braidwood, who actually had acting training, but he had kids, so he became a first assistant director, just doing all sorts of, he did 21 Jump Street, you'll see his name in all sorts of credits as the first AD. That's amazing. Yeah. So and while he wasn't shooting, he was doing scheduling for the other episodes? Yeah, well, they had two ADs. Right. Because each show was so uh, gargantuan to produce, so you had one AD who was... Uh, prepping the next episode yeah. while one was working on the episode. So they would leapfrog. So they would have it so that uh, the other AD would be uh, working the show while Tom was acting in it. And then he would be prepping. He'd be on the phone. If they yell cut, he'd pull out the phone and he'd be like talking <laughs> with oh the, about God. the next episode all the time. It's yeah. funny. He's great on, He's great in the show. Yeah. Because he's, he's sort of the guy who's sort of in love with Scully, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's how it all got started because... Uh, the director said, okay, so we got the long-haired guy, and we got the guy in a suit. We need, like, a short, weaselly guy, like, you know, who's sort of lecherous, like uh, Tom. The, the <laughs> say, Can we just get Braidwood to do us just one line? Yeah, sure. Tom, just say the one line. And then thinking, oh, yeah, well, then we'll all just go back to normal. And then, sure enough, okay, Cut Tom, to you, you got to say two more lines in the next one. Okay, now say five lines. Now you got your own spinoff. Yeah, and you guys become such a major part of this show. I mean, you can't think of this show without thinking of The Lone Gunman. And a part of that, though, is the fans. There was an early, early internet news group Dude, Alt-TV X-Files. Can I say something? What I've been doing every episode is I'm going on Alt-TV X-Files and finding messages from that week. It's still going, (laughs) but I find messages from that week. Are you kidding? And I'm reading them, and so I have the messages, what people said the first time they saw you guys over here. I I thought they deleted all that. No, Google bought everything, and it's all on Google Groups. Come on! All of it. Nothing goes away. Oh, my God. Dude, I noticed, I found out reading this, that, so this episode is EBE, right? and it's the first one where I feel like you you get the sense of this much larger, larger conspiracy that's happening. This right. is the first time that you see Deep Throat sort of talking about you know how all the countries are in on it. Yeah. This has happened before. It's going to happen again. You get the sense of this huge mythology that's happening. And this is the episode where you don't know if Deep Throat is good or bad, whose right. side he is he on. Right, going on back and forth. And that they keep uh, layering uh, all sorts of... Like even a weird scene. Do you remember the one where... Uh, uh, Scully leaves the room and her briefcase or purse. Oh, yes. There, and then it comes back and then the purse is like knocked over. Yeah. And it's never referred to again. It's never pointed out. Like, it's just they added these layers of like, oh, something's going on. Like, yeah. Something. And, they, and this was like Chris Carter's idea early on of like, okay, let's just add mystery and intrigue, not knowing where it goes. And then, and then maybe it'll pay off later or maybe it doesn't. Yeah. So they had this like thing where they just started adding layers and layers and making it darker and weirder and all yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like that little stuff, the stuff you don't know is what, what makes it seem so much bigger than they need to show, you know? Like yeah, yeah. If you're explaining something to someone, then you know what it is. But if you're like sort of painting around these dark corners and you have no idea what's going on. But I, uh, I was reading, um, so a couple of weeks ago we talked about this episode, Fallen Angel, which right. is a really great episode. In the message boards, everyone's talking about, do... Uh, is Deep Throat good? Is he bad? I don't know. This is around November 93. <laughs> I find out that these guys, that uh, Glenn Morgan and James Wong, read the messages yeah. that I just happened to read a couple of weeks ago. Decide, they're like, oh, that's good. People want to know about him. And that's when they decided to bring him back on and sort of keep him like, vague. Uh, they based this episode on the messages that I was reading a couple of weeks ago. And that happened with the gunman, too. That's why we kept coming back, because... Uh, every time we would show up, they go, well, this proves that the writers are lurking in here and that Chris Carter, they're all doing that. And in fact, in like season two or three, 
we're actually saying lines that are taken directly from the news group. So at that's one fucking point, crazy. Isn't that crazy? So it was like the first, and it was the first time the internet and fan interaction with a TV show was that uh, symbiotic. I, I don't think like now it's a given. Right now, now it's a you're given. like, geez, you got to get connect to your fans even before you pitch your show. But then it was like, oh my god, this was so weird, and for, particularly for Glenn and and Jen because they were like. Oh my God! We don't have to just call our mother and to ask her what she thought of the show. Yeah, we can actually have people who are like into the show. Well, and it's interesting because this is right in the beginning of the show, so I'm seeing the same names over and over. So it seems it's it's about forty or fifty people that are yeah. like messaging, uh, talking about the show on this specific message board. Yeah. So these forty and fifty people had such a huge impact on the direction of the show. Right, because we didn't know on the production side, didn't know how many people were in. Uh, you know, there's forty, fifty people posting. But we thought, oh, well, just the way we're lurking and not posting, the same thing could be happening the other way around, that of lots course. of people are reading it, and then, like, for just the 50 or so early adopters are the ones chatting on it yeah. or whatever, and the other people are just all into it. And, in fact, I think it was, do you remember before American Online, there was a, a service called Prodigy? Yes, of and course. Prodigy actually uh, made it so that when you pushed in that disc into your... Uh, the old CD to start up your yeah. internet that uh, it took you directly to all TV X Files that they were selling get on the X Files news group by becoming a prodigy prodigy uh, member. Oh wow! Yeah, so that was the whole marketing campaign. So it was actually pushing everybody into that news group just to get everybody online back in the nineties. And that news group becomes such a big deal, and it starts uh, December first, nineteen ninety three. And so I honestly I went back and I read the messages from that week, and what uh -huh. happened was. A bunch of other people, I talked about this on the podcast, a bunch of other people were pissed off that someone had make, made this new subgroup for the show they didn't know about. So they were coming and trolling yeah. X-Files fans. So that first <laughs> week, there's a lot of like flame wars. I you know. Original flame wars. Isn't that amazing? And you know, I don't want to say how far back I go on the internet, but I was there before American Online started, and there was messages flaming going, oh, well, this is all about to go to the masses so goodbye everybody this has been really fun oh. all of us just chatting amongst our you know 3,000 selves or whatever but now it's going to go wide and mainstream and the world wide web's coming and this is all going to be bullshit and <laughs> it, that was it and it did come it did I know it, it all did become bullshit it, it all did <laughs> it's full of bullshit I was reading a thing today that said that the Game of Thrones people do not read any online message boards because there's just billions of people it's just yelling at them yelling at it and, and you would be inundated now like, I can't even imagine being on a show that popular and not, and just trying to, like, you know, read the news or something. Because everything's about Game of Thrones. Oh, read this week. Like, Huffington Post major news stories or Game of Thrones stories. Yes. Like, oh, my God, that would just drive me bananas. That yeah. That nothing else is going on. Uh, there's, um, well, I don't know if I should jump to the message boards right now. Oh, well, we? we'll, we'll, we'll get to it later. But <laughs> okay. basically, this episode... Um, uh, the first time you guys uh, show up, I, I thought this episode was really, really great. First of all, it sort of expands the world in the way that I uh, said it did. But it also is, you see Scully saying, sort of um, articulating a lot of stuff that people still say when they're talking about conspiracy theories and that she's like, you think the government has their shit together? She says, right. you give the government too much credit. Like, well, after she meets you guys for the first time, <laughs> after she meets you guys for the first time, she comes back to Mulder and she's like, those guys are fucking crazy. Yeah, they think yeah. that the government's got its hand in everything. The government can't even, like, deal with little shit. Right, right. And then we open the $20 bill to show the magnetic strip yeah. that tracks you every time you go through a... Uh, magnet, uh, you know, any sort of uh, X-ray sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, and, and all of those ideas had been talked about by the writers for some time, but I think this was the episode that it really coalesced. 
And what also was airing, ironically enough, when that episode was shooting, was Space. Now, uh-huh. did you already review Space on this show? Oh, yes. Yes. That was the disaster. The NASA, that was a disaster. It was, a, it was a, 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 a show where they bit off more than they could chew. Where they're The Mars we, face thing, yes. Yeah, where their goals were exceeding their ability to deliver. Yes. And they basically just cut whatever they had because they had to... Oh, Jordan, do you know each other? Yeah. yeah. We do know each other. <laughs> They're neighbors. Oh, wow. Yeah, How's I know. it going? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> it's <a> wow. <laughs> I know. All the stars live in this building. <laughs> Did, should we should give him a shout out? Yeah, no. yeah give it's him a Jordan, shout out. Jordan Rubin, ladies Jordan and gentlemen. Jordan Rubin, comedian, very funny comedian. Very and he directed that movie, the, um, the Beaver thing. The, the Beaver movie. The Beaver zombie movie. Yes. What? Zombievers. <laughs> that's, that's what it's called. Thank that's you. what it's called. Yeah, zombie. Um, anyway, what were we saying? We oh, were yeah, saying the space was the sort of disaster. And that's the one that keeps coming up in the message board. It's like, oh, do we oh, yeah, don't want to see that one again. Want, and, and, and everybody felt really bad about that one. So as we're shooting EBE, everybody ratcheted up their game. Like that episode was the one that said, okay, even the director, because I didn't realize what was going on. But to have the director, who was Billy Graham, yes. of all things, he like big gruff older guy, and the first thing we all come to set, we all gather around. He goes, "Okay, everybody, now listen. This is serious stuff. <laughs> everybody, cut the bullshit." The, like we just sat down. This is my first day. Like, yeah, meeting it's probably guys. my only day on this <laughs> my job. My only day. And it's just like he's giving everybody a lecture about what you know. Stop fucking around. And we're, I was like taken aback, going, "Who's who's been screwing around yeah. on this thing?" But I think the the notes came down from on high, going. <laughs> Okay, no more of that space bullshit. We cut these shows. We get yeah. them done. We got eight days to shoot them. We're gonna make them as best as we can. Everybody, they swing for the fences, but we're not gonna have another thing where we're like just cutting it together and sending it up on the satellite feed. I thought it was so cool. Your your characters the first time you show up, like it's such a. What, and what's cool is you guys in a way represent all the people who are still online, like the cool punk rock guy, yeah. the super nerdy guy, and then like the lecherous yeah, like pervert. Guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's still wh- who's online. That's right. Those, Those are kinds the three of people. Yeah. Yeah. And that apparently was based on Glenn Morgan, James Wong walking through an airport, and there was a table, and there was guys hanging out, uh, handing out UFO literature. In the airport, of all things, and there was a long-haired guy and a guy in a leather jacket <laughs> and a guy in a suit. And I thought, oh, my God, that is brilliant. Why would these three guys, you know, well, what? They could not wrap their head, and they talked about that on the flight. That's they said, so we've got to put that in a show. And they were super detailed about it. In fact, even my Ramones T-shirts were specified in the description by Glenn and James. So it was not, oh, let's just randomly throw a Ramones. It was like he's wearing a Ramones T-shirt, the suit. Like, they had it described to the T, so that when we came to set, it was like, no, oh, you're wearing a Ramones T-shirt, you're going to have the glasses, and that's going to be your look. But that's such a funny scene, because one, it sort of shows, like, you know, Mulder looks like he's like this sort of uh, well-put-together, very handsome guy, and then we see, you know, you three guys, where you're right. all sort of, what you're saying is way kookier than what he's saying, but then you guys, who is it? No, buyer says to Mulder, he's like, that's we, why we like you. Yeah, your yeah, ideas <laughs> are even weirder than ours. That's right, that the, uh, that the calls, it caused the Gulf War syndrome. What was it? The, the, the UFOs? Alien, the UFOs. Yeah. The Gulf War Center, yeah, we UFOs, all laugh at 
them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That you're like, you're an idiot. And then it's a, like, oh my gosh. That's such a great scene. Your introduction is so good because each of you gets like a funny little moment. You talk about how you were hanging out with the guy who killed JFK, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I just had lunch with the guy who killed JFK. I can't really, I've memorized all these lines. How many years later? 20? Uh, yeah, I just had lunch with the guy who killed JFK. It's an old dude now, but said he was uh, having sitting in the grassy knoll, dressed as a cop in the grassy knoll. Oh, wow. Yeah, you yeah, remember yeah. the exact I line. I totally remember that. I know. Isn't that weird? That's that's sort of bizarre that it's still in my head somewhere. I mean, think, that's amazing. You think I would have put something useful in there. No, no, no. <laughs> that's that's the most useful thing I can think of. But, in fact, that is a theory, right? JFK, there was a cop dressed as a, uh, in yes. the grassy knoll. There was a cop who was the second shooter. I also like the idea that you're just hanging out with this guy I now. know. They're just like, like years later having lunch. Yeah. So what was it like yeah. to kill Kennedy? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you get this one with your killing Kennedy money yeah, that exactly. you made. <laughs> he <laughs> probably <laughs> made a ton, right? Well, and that's the thing. You know, when you were saying deep throat you didn't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy if you look at the second scene it's a brief scene uh and we had shot a longer version of that but they cut it down for length uh when Mulder calls me to get uh access into the uh, government facility that has the that's right the uh, bi the biological entity yeah uh, extraterrestrial biological entity the ebe uh i'm recording his conversation Oh, that's right. And he says, right. turn it turn off. off. And I go, it's off. And it's yeah. still rolling in the background. Yeah. Turn it it's off already. Like yeah. the whole thing, right? And you're like, wait a second. You can't even trust the gunman in the early oh, days. Yeah. Like you didn't know which side even, you know, we oh, yeah. were. Well, what's cool about this episode, this episode really exemplifies the trust no one motto because you really, there's a bunch of moments in Mulder and Scully are like, we're the only ones. We right. can only trust each other. Yeah. And then it isn't until, you know, and really, the only people they ever really trust are the lone gunman, Scully and Mulder, are really the only five completely pure characters in the entire run of the X-Files. Exactly. And I think there was even uh, an opportunity. I think there was like a couple early story meetings because Tom Braywood got to sit in on like some early story Of course, because he's like doing the scheduling and shit. he's doing the scheduling and stuff. So he's hearing like early drafts of stuff. And there were like episodes where we were going to be like okay. working for the man or like... Uh, betraying Mulder and no. Scully. Yeah, I know. And then, of course, Chris Carter said, no, no, let's keep them on the good side. Yeah. And do that whole thing. Because it would be, like, too jarring. No, you guys are, there's something so, I think, sincere about all three of you, and I think that's what really works on the show, is you guys show up, you, you know, you, you guys are playing these sort of idiosyncratic characters, but there's something very sincere and very sweet about all three of you. It's, it's, uh, it's an, perhaps a naivety that you think you could take down the man of a, like a giant syndicate. That's right. Right? With it's a so small sweet. little stupid newspaper. And a, it's and like adorable. A, I know, right? That you're going to hack into whatever and destroy the entire system from within. Uh, there is a uh, uh, pissing against the wind kind of feel yeah. to that sort of thing. But at the same time, that's the underdog story that you always want. Exactly. To have to win. So you, you want to root for that. Exactly. You want to be on these guys' side. There's Absolutely. A, there's a bunch of great stuff. So when she's, uh, 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 you know, when um, uh, Fro Hickey's talking about how hot she's, I thought that was such a sweet <laughs> moment where Scully's like, she's crazy. Everything they said was crazy. And he goes, I think it's remotely plausible that someone <laughs> might think you're hot. <laughs> Mulder says that. Yeah, that was yeah, such yeah. a great line. That's such a great line. Well, and that was actually the relationship that Tom and Gillian Anderson had offset, where they were like be sort of flirty because Tom was kind of like this thing and, and <laughs> <laughs> this thing. He was he, this he's thing. Fine too. He's about the same size as Gillian. And yeah. They, uh, they would all be, you know, 
cutesy, flirty with each other because Jillian didn't know, like, you know, she was uh, delightful. This was her first series. Yeah. And she was actually, if you look at the very early promo of that, she's supposed to be dowdy. Like, they made her hair, like, curly, and she wasn't supposed to be the hot, sexy thing at all. Yeah. That was later. Uh, so this idea of that she's hot was also supposed to uh, kind of be counterman that this weirdo guy thinks she's hot and everyone else thinks she's oh, dowdy. Oh, except See? that she's gorgeous. Except she's gorgeous, right? So they cast her as gorgeous and, and she became more gorgeous as of the course. years went on because they changed hairdressers. And you could see, I can, I, there was a time there I could tell which uh, photo was from what season based on her hairstyle. Yes. Because you could see it change. It gets it better. Went from fur and then Laverne did her hair and then uh, I forget. Oh, wow. You remember their names. I remember, yeah. Fern on hair, yes. And then uh, we had uh, Kevin Eastwood of the famous Eastwood family of makeup artists. If you look at old, like, black and white horror movies, you'll see in the makeup the credit uh, Eastwood uh, or... Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, and then the grandson of that original makeup artist was our makeup artist. Oh, wow. I know. This is a little bit of a tangent, but they're nice, right? Jillian Anderson, (laughs) David Duchovny? Yes, they're very nice. They're nice? Yeah, they work 16 hours a day together. So there were stories you heard of them fighting and stuff like that. Would be like anybody who works. Oh, I didn't know, but I know. I, I see them tweet at each other every now and then. It like melts my heart. Yeah, I know, right? They're adorable. Yeah. So it, that may not be Jillian actually doing her own tweets, but oh no, I'm just saying she has a somewhat duh, but she's she's dictating them. Oh, okay. Right in that. Yeah. Yeah. She's she doesn't may not be her actual thumbs on the keyboard. Okay. So well, it, it seems real, and that's what matters, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. what matters. Um, I thought this episode did such a great job of uh, getting Scully motivated in sort of uh, going where Mulder wants to go because with the pen, she they give her just enough evidence that she it's it's built, she knows something's going on. Right. Yeah, the pen that she got at the train station, given oddly enough by my good friend Ellie Harvey. Oh, that's who that is. That woman in the train station. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a very funny improviser up in Vancouver. And you would have recognized her if you saw the new Adams Family. She played Morticia. Oh, what? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, so if you look at the, uh, it was the, I don't know, uh, when did that one come out? 2002, maybe? Yeah. Adams Family? Yeah. Morticia, that's her in the in the train station. Or I guess that's that was a bus station. Yeah, whatever it was. But yeah, it was that was amazing. Train station that she played, that she had the one line and gave her the pen. There you go. There's your trivia. You're full of amazing (laughs) trivia. What do you mean? There's your trivia. You said, uh, you know, where the lone gunman came from from those UFO nuts. I mean, oh yeah, did you not know that one? And then, oh, and then the connection to the Ramones. Yeah, the connection to the Ramones is good. I thought this episode also was really good in that Mulder and Scully have. Uh, conversations uh, uh, sort of about Mulder's crusade where she says sometimes you're too determined to believe it's so intense that sometimes it's blinding I thought that was so good and she says the truth is out there but so are lies I like in this one that Scully's actually a little more you know Mulder's too yeah yeah willing to accept that the yeah, his his quest sort he's of thing. Yeah. But trying to temper it with, okay, don't just believe all of this wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think Scully is like really smart in this episode and that Mulder's like, a l- in a weird way, Mulder's the one who's too naive in this one and Scully's the one who's like, no, they're, they're trying to like fuck with you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The truth is out there, but so are the lies. Well, and they had to set that that uh, shifting dynamic because, uh, I, don't, I forget what episode, but there was one where there was the delineation was almost... Uh, boring in that 
you're wrong. You're a skeptic. You're you don't know. You know, it was just at loggerheads almost the whole episode. I, I can't remember which one it was, but it was in the first season for sure. Yeah. Where they're just defining their lines in the sand. Too hardcore. Thing. Yeah. Too hardcore. And this one now they start meshing it back and forth so that you can actually see a relationship starting to develop one based on professionalism and respect for the other's ideas, even if you don't agree with them. Yeah. And so rare do you find that? I think, you know, don't get me into the whole Romo, no Romo. Okay. Shippers thing. All I'm right. I'm always on the wrong side of that. What are you on the side of? I'm on the side of no Romo. Me, no Romo. Well, but every, you should have seen a Comic-Con this year. Uh, when I said oh, yeah, they did it there, they right? Did, you well, guys did the 20th, a thing? The 20th anniversary, right? Yeah. And I go, okay, you know what? I'm a no uh, I'm a no Romo. How many no Romos? Three people clapped in a room of thousands. I it's always like, say, <laughs> you know, if you, I think a relationship with the, uh, it's so much more complicated. If it is, if it isn't Romo, when it becomes Romo, I can't believe we're saying this. Yeah. When it becomes <laughs> Romo, then it's like that's what it is, or they're in love with each other. That's simple. We've seen that in every movie. Absolutely. What we haven't seen is a, a, the kind of relationship you're talking about, where they're like, don't they don't agree with each other, but they're sort of seeing each other's perspective and like having a real conversation. Absolutely, and 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 that uh, their love for each other is their love of intellectual and their respect of all of that and not just some sort of physical uh, uh, chemical It's much purer than that. Absolutely. And so once you go shipper, then there's no way to know the motivations behind then them having an argument about conspiracies because that's right. it's just like, oh, well, you just say that because we're sleeping again. Right. Well, that's probably the case. You exactly, know? exactly. Uh, and I think that becomes like so much of the show when it's really good is about them trusting each other. And I think that's so much more powerful. There's a line here where they say, now we're alone on this. There's no one we can trust. That's a lot more powerful if yeah. they're sort of colleagues rather than lovers, I exactly. think. Exactly, yeah. because then you're just too Bonnie and Clyde at that point in, in terms of conspiracy of like, there's no one we can trust, guns ablaze, we got to run, you know, whatever right. the metaphor is. Yes. But, but when you're actually like working together and there's no one else who's doing that job that you're doing, that seems way more heroic than if it's just like, eh, we're sleeping together, why do we go solve mysteries exactly you know, let's like solve a, a mystery why yeah. well because otherwise i can't get into that yeah, so exactly. so we gotta get agree there so i gotta do this yeah there, it's yeah. so much less um there's <laughs> the um what i think this episode also does a lot of uh great stuff with uh, what x-files at its best really ties in real life conspiracies so they talk about watergate iran contra the tuskegee experiments yeah all that stuff gets brought up and i think what that's what makes the x-files seem so grounded is that Our government has done crazy shit in the past. Absolutely. And, you know, there was no other time in history, uh, when you think about 1993, there was a peace accord between Israel and Palestine. There was, uh, the wall had just come down in 91, two years earlier. Yeah, Cold War's done. Cold War's done. There's a peace accord. There was no, so you had the space to then question your own government. And you weren't unpatriotic about doing that. And you weren't, there was no crazy terrorist factions that were had global. Ah, that's right. You, right. you can question the you government without question, being labeled a terrorist. Exactly. Try do that now going, oh, you got, you know, even that NSA where Snowden comes out and, and it's all fact. And He's it's all still fact. considered an unpatriotic bastard, yeah. even though every freaking conversation you've had has been listened to for the last I mean, years. it's crazy that the people who are saying the truth are the ones getting fucked. Like, who's the per- I forget the name of the person who then, I think, became female. She. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, Bradley? No. Yeah. Yeah, I know who you mean. Though. Yeah, yeah. She, when he was he, um, basically, the army had killed all these civilians and covered it up. And this person 
said, hey, this awful thing happened. The people who did the murders are fine. The person who just pointed out that these murders happened is in jail for in jail forever. forever. Yeah, I know. So that, that there's the disconnect, and it seems like that whole, uh, you know, it's very sad and, and uh, mind boggling. Not yes. boggling, but it weighs you down so much when you actually then go into this. Whereas in 93, you didn't, I, A, if you didn't know this, this is now how you started investigating. Yeah. But there was, you had that space. You had that space yeah. in history that you could go into this sort of thing, which I don't think the X-Files, even if you pitched it today, wouldn't be the same show. I mean, the distrust of the government should be higher now than it's ever been. And it really isn't. It People really just... Isn't. What I think the hell did I just see a t-shirt? I miss W? Gee, like, well, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, do not print those t-shirts. Are you kidding me? Holy smokes. Unbelievable. Um, going back to the episode, there's that great scene with Mulder and Deep Throat where they're with the shark, and he says if the shark stops swimming, the shark dies, which is similar to a quote from Annie Hall. He says, what we have in our hands is a dead shark. That's from that. That's We're right, talking right. about the relationship. relationship. But here he basically, Deep Throat, saying, listen, I'm going to keep lying to you, and I'll give you some truth. Or he says the line, a lie is best... A sandwich between true truths. True, 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 yeah. yeah. So, and he's basically telling Mulder, you got to keep swimming. You got to keep doing it. You're never really going to get to the bottom of this, but right. the point is to keep moving. And that he wasn't going to help him. That was the amazing yeah. thing. That you thought, okay, here's Deep Throat. This is going to be, you know, straight ahead. That guy's always going to come in and, and just tell like us what we need to know. Yeah. Mean, you know, it's yeah. like, no. And that was like a brilliant writing tool. And then, you know, well, spoiler alert. <laughs> so years later. Note that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then, oh my God. Oh, that, that was I all was bets are off, right? Uh, and and uh, even that's when, I forget which writer, somebody went to the news group and went, no one is safe, and just posted that. <gasps> yes. And then no one is safe. No one is safe. Oh, wow. Yes. So that's where that came from. Oh, that's but amazing. But that's, that's how that started, too, because that, you know. Well, uh, Jerry was such a fantastic actor. Oh, he's so good. Deep Throat is like really spectacular how he did that in terms of, you know, to to go into an audition and say, okay, all of this is true, but say it as if it's a lie, but, but realize also, say yeah. it, but realize that he's got to hear the truth, but lie, but, but you're lying. But, but tell <laughs> the truth. So much going yeah, on, right? But tell but the truth, lie. but lie. But lie. But yeah. go straight and just go left. But stay straight. And him and, and Mulder have this sort of like father-son relationship. Almost. They even talk about like going to see a ball game and stuff. Like well, yeah, I think that's, that's right. a really I cool little that. moment that they have, like a personal connection. Even though they're sort of connected by, you know, their own causes. Because you find out Deep Throat says he's one of three people who's killed an alien. Yeah, yeah. One of three people in the world who's killed an alien, and you find out that's why he's helping Mulder because he feels guilty about it. Right. Uh, past guilt coming back to haunt him. But in that moment, they're just two guys who would love to see a baseball game together. Absolutely. And I think that this episode was expanding Mulder's universe. Like you meet that he has these friends, the Lone Yes. Gunner, that you realize that he's, you know, that as much as he is uh, uh, alone in the world, he's also reaching out and like hanging out with these guys yeah. that are lying to him that he maybe can't trust, but yeah. what other choice does he have? And I think, uh, did we go into... No, we didn't see his place yet uh, in this one. But we do. 
We do, right? Yeah. Apparently, yeah. this is only one of two episodes. This is a weird trivia where you see both Scully and Mulder's places because he turns the blue light bulb on to get Deep oh, Throat to right. show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you realize that he sleeps on his couch and never goes to his bedroom. Yeah. Whole, like it, how pathetic his, his personal oh. life is. Yeah, I know. It's, so, like, it's oh. so pathetic. So sad. And then there's that moment. One of my favorite movies is this movie called The Conversation. That, oh, uh, yes, with Gene Hackman. Yeah. Coppola directed. Coppola directed that between Godfather 1 and 2. He was like, yeah. I'll do Godfather 2 if you let me make this. And that's about a guy who's a surveillance expert who then gets sort of obsessed with the fact that someone's uh, bugging him. Bugging him. And you never see it. Like, he tears his own place apart. I mean, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. And, and uh, Mulder has the scene very similar to that where he's tearing his own room apart. Yeah. But then he does find something. I thought it was so funny where, where Scully comes in and he goes, um, I th- uh, she says, um, uh, I think we should just move on. Clearly, uh, nobody's listening to us. And then he does this. Then it's total silence for a while. And then Scully goes, I think this time you're right, Mulder. Like, who's going <laughs> to believe that? Yeah, know, Someone like, says a sentence they would never say. And then there's silence for 30 seconds. Like, and then yeah, a response. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're having a normal conversation. Normal conversation. I thought another moment that I think is so good. And I always think of this moment. I think of the X-Files when they're trying to track down the truck. Yeah. And Mulder's talking about, you know, all these cars pass by this truck. And they had no idea that it was carrying a being, being mm-hmm. from another world. Again, it sort of hints at that larger mystery, you know, right. like there's crazy shit going on among you and you don't even know it. And, and all that crazy shit amongst you is also so plainly wrapped. Like, I always like that all yes. the government facilities are just sort of these uh, chain link fences and corrugated tin shacks. That's right. And trucks, and they're not like super... Uh, you know, glue blowing, uh, magnetic resonance no. things. They're like just the, all of this regular stuff going on around you. And part of that is the whole, you know, crazy conspiracy going on. Like, I remember, okay, this is weird. I'm coming home from a party with a writer and we're on uh, Pico. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We're at, no, we're at Pico and Fairfax. And it's like three o'clock in the morning. And suddenly the cops pull up and stop traffic. But it's three o'clock in the morning. There's hardly any traffic. And suddenly, this giant 62-wheel truck, massive truck, with a giant thing covered in a tarp, and it's uh, surrounded by, like, vehicles, and there's a truck in front with a big antenna so if it hits a wire, it'll stop the whole thing. It's driving at 3 o'clock in the morning towards Century City. What is it? It came right after uh, uh, the World Trade Center came down. So it was like 2000, oh. and you know, all that gold went missing. I don't know what was in this giant thing. And they were building something fancy over in Century City at that time. And he's just like, why at three o'clock in the morning are you transport? I guess because of traffic, but it was massive. There was no anything, and it was hidden under a tarp. That's amazing. Yeah, and you're like, okay, well this, like we just let it go, and he's a writer, he yeah. writes sci-fi and stuff like that. So it was like, did we just see a conspiracy? Like, yeah. is that the same sort of thing, like EBE, where it's like... Yeah, a, is that an EBE in yeah, there? Yeah, what is in there, and where are they going with it? Why are you driving to the ocean with it in the middle of Hollywood, of all things? No like, one asked these questions. No one, like, why didn't you take it on the free... Why, didn't, why wasn't it on the 10 going that way? It, it, why did it have to take Pico in the, at 3, like, just... We talk for. We'll never know. We'll never know. It'll be another thing that. Oh man! I know. Someone somewhere knows. (laughs) I know. My wife was saying we watched this episode last night together. Yeah. And she was like, um, she said semis are the last big unknowns we have. I'm like, that's true. When you see a semi driving down, you have no idea what the fuck is in there. I know. And then when you hear, oh, one crashed with 24 tons of jelly. Yeah, you hear that like one on the, on oh, the, that one? <laughs> on the other day. 24 tons of yeah. jelly? How the hell? Why, 
What? what kind of jelly? What kind what of are jelly? They doing? Well, how much? 24 tons of it? I don't know how much that even looks like. Like, that what does it even look like? And, and the, I said 24. No, it was 24 tons of jelly, and it caused a traffic jam. I thought, oh, that's, uh, that guy, yeah. I think he didn't even realize he made that pun. Yeah, that's a pretty, a pretty good, good one. one. It's a pretty good that's one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I thought this episode had a lot of great stuff with like uh, having Mulder get so close to finding out what it is, where he says, it was an EBE, it was alive. His voice is cracking when he's in there, and he sees, obviously, it turns out to be a hoax. Yeah. Scully says, I can't stop shaking what just happened. So it, this episode does such a great job of like um, imbuing them with uh, you know enthusiasm for yeah. trying to like figure out what, what's going on. On, yeah. And they did, yeah, and they put that enthusiasm in with layers, right? So this idea of like, oh, we're so close and yet we'll never get there. Oh, yeah, so when Mulder. And, and like the whole show, that was, this was almost a template for the for, entire show. For the entire show. I mean, it hints at larger conspiracies, larger right. mythology that you will never get to. You also see Mulder, you know, that red room that he sees when yeah. he's with Deep Throat. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like so close and Deep Throat stops him. Yeah. And then Deep Throat's like, go oh, look, there's fucking no- nothing there's in nothing there. there. Yeah. yeah. You'll realize that what you're, g- when, when you actually find it, it'll evaporate like all conspiracies. Like once yeah. You, you know, that's the thing. If, if They've got another one set up to like, once this one's done, go on to the other one. You know, and the whole thing about you know, knowing real life conspiracy theorists and all these guys is the only advantage to being a conspiracy theorist is at the end, if it's true, all you get to say is, I told you so. Yes, that's right? all no, you get. All you get. Because even if you go, you know, NSA is listening to you, you go, okay, well, I'm still going to use my phone. Yes. I, I still, I'm still, you have to. I have to. I'm still talking, you know, yeah. these things, even though I know for a fact all my calls are being listened to. Yes. I'm a Canadian. Of a foreign national with uh, ties to entertainment based on conspiracy. And I know all these real life guys that are all, you know, I've been on the Alex Jones show for crying out loud. So I clearly have a file. You're on, on some, me. some kind of list. I'm on some kind of list. And so I know my, all my call, calls and texts are read by the big Black Widow computer at the NSA. And uh, what are you going to do? You got to keep going. You got to keep going. It's not like, oh, yeah, no, I'll just shut everything off and just sit here. No, you can't do it. Well, that's the other thing that's interesting, I think, about conspiracies in general and then lone gunmen in particular as well, is that if you can't find the information, if you can't find evidence, that's just proof that they're hiding the evidence even (laughs) better, right? So if you have evidence, you have evidence. If you don't have evidence, well, that's evidence that someone's hiding hiding the evidence. I know, but it can also then go, you know, to the extreme of, Oh, this couch we're sitting on controls my mind. Well, like, that's the see, line, right? Right? Because it's just like, no, it's controlling my mind, this couch. Yeah. Well, you can't prove that. Aha, exactly. Because it's, it it it's controlling your mind. your mind, too. Exactly. Just fog right. your mind. You can't even see yeah. how this couch is. Oh, now it's... Uh, Get uh, off oh, the couch, man. <laughs> how do you feel about conspiracy theories? Like, what's your... T- I know you made a documentary about UFOs. Yeah, yeah. It's called uh, The Truth Is Out There. And it's not just UFOs. It's conspiracy consciousness and comedy and how searching for the truth is actually kind of fun. Uh, and so as, you know, as this show went on and I went to the writers, where are you getting this information? You know, it was really cool going to the writers' rooms because they didn't have how to write a screenplay books. They had, you know, UFO literature and uh, Mithra religion, That's you know, like all these great. weird, obscure awesome. books. And so they said, oh, yeah, you want to meet some of these guys? So I started introducing me to some of the guys that they based a lot of their information on. So I met like Jordan Maxwell and uh, Dr. Roger Lear uh, and like all of these guys, you know, uh, Steve Bassett, who's on the whole, um, uh, he goes to Washington all the time to try get them to reveal 
what they know about UFOs and all is that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole disclosure project, it's called, and that the government is hindering human-alien relations by keeping all this stuff top secret if, in fact, it is true. Uh-huh. And therefore, they have not a, it's not a security issue. It's a human evolution morality issue. Oh. So that by keeping uh, aliens only in contact with military officials and stuff like that, you are hindering our development as a species. Oh, yeah. You're hindering right. progress. Right. Oh. So this whole thing. So he goes there and he has senior military officials from other countries come and say, oh, yeah, I've seen aliens and blah, blah, blah. It's like it's a really uh, a big deal project. That so where do where can we watch this documentary? It sounds fucking awesome. Oh, yes. Uh, the documentary. Well, you can find it at our website, truth-is-out-there.com. Rolls off the tongue. Uh, <laughs> and uh, UFO TV on YouTube has it. Uh, oh, you can wow. You watch it there. And uh, you can get your copy, a digital uh, copy for sale at Comedy Film Nerds. Oh, Comedy com. Film Nerds. That's yeah, your yeah, podcast. Yeah. yeah, that's the podcast that Chris Mancini and Graham Elwood do. Oh, yeah, I know yeah, Graham. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good friends. But you do that a lot, right? I, do, I get on there yeah. a lot, and I write reviews on there, the film reviews and all that sort of thing. So That's uh, awesome. So they sell that uh, there. So, yeah, check it out. It's really cool. I'm going to go see it. Yeah, you have to. Well, oh, another thing, I will, before we get to the message boards portion, <laughs> of the, the <laughs> yes. which I think is so interesting. I, okay. I was honestly, well, we'll get to it in a second, a mm. uh, couple uh, quick moments that yeah. I thought were really cool. One of the cool things is you never really know what Deep Throat's position is, but in this one you know that he's the real deal, and that he's a you know he's in level six. Yeah, yeah He's yeah. the one who's like let them go, and they let him go. So you know he's legit. Right. And what his sadness when he's talking about how the alien either didn't know what a gun was or didn't have an expression on its face, and he just killed him. Like the sadness he feels. So sad. Jerry Harden is Jerry that his name? Yeah. Such a wonderful actor, and that scene like. Made me choked up a li- little bit, <laughs> even though it's about him like shooting a shooting fucking alien. alien. Yeah. I know, right? And it's it's that you know placing it on a personal level like that. I think that was uh, uh, always what Chris wanted, like to take these high ideas and a lot of you know the thing of the Tuskegee experiment, all that sort of thing, and bring it down to a human level that had allowed the actor then to just portray that. And they were always really conscious of how the actor is going to relay this information and not just lay out you know, conspiracy after conspiracy, but how right. to make these actable moments, uh, which Jerry and, and everybody had a, a spectacular Really good, yeah. It always did a great job of giving uh, characters personal motivation for whatever they were doing. Yeah. And, and this is an episode where they could have quit, like, multiple times, but each time they just get something small that motivates them to, to go for it. Right. I think. And you're, if you remember, there was a, a copy show, I think it came on, like, almost immediately, Within the first season, it was called Dark Skies. Did you yes, I remember it. I never saw it. You never saw it, and they missed that the human element. That human element. They yeah. had like all of these conspiracies and stuff like that. But there was it was almost as if it was a lecture kind of thing. It was like a really it was it, it was flattering that oh hey man they're trying to copy the X Files. Yeah. And you watch it, you just go oh man. No, you guys you didn't do it. Just missing the whole point of like what really makes the X Files uh, engine tick. Yeah. It's not the UFOs and the cool stuff but it, it's actually the human element 
of where somebody will get choked up at the idea of killing an alien. Yeah, and this last conversation that Mulder has with uh, Deep Throat, I thought was so good, and it really gets to what Mulder is really about. He says, yeah. dangerous? You mean, because he's, you know, uh, Deep Throat says, well, this information getting out is dangerous. He yeah. says, dangerous? You mean in the sense of outrage, like the reaction to the Kennedy assassination or MIAs or radiation experiments on terminal patients, Watergate, Iran-Contra, Roswell, the Tuskegee experiments? Where will it end? Oh, I guess it won't end as long as men like you decide what is truth. Right. And now you can add to that list <laughs> from there, the NSA tapping. Oh, you, like it just goes oh, keeps on and going, on. Yeah, keeps yeah. going, keeps going. And then at the end, the last line, I believe it's the last line of the episode is Mulder goes, I'm wondering which lie to believe. I thought it's so good because you know, you don't know if it's deep throat just making shit up. Make is shit it up how much of it's real? Right. And is he then the smokescreen, which is much like the UFO lore that, you know, where they say, oh, yeah, no, it's just weather balloons or. Oh, yeah. Swamp gas. Swamp gas. Yeah. Uh, and then you find out now, oh, you know, we had uh, CIA operative anti-gravitational machines. That guy from Lockheed Martin, he's like 86 years old. What is he saying? Oh, he's saying, oh, yeah, we had developed an anti-gravitational uh, stealth uh, uh, vehicle that was silent. It's sort of the precursor to like a B-2 bomber. But he, he was going around on YouTube going, oh, yeah, no, no. All, most of the UFOs that are triangular in shape are ours. Oh. Everything that maybe is round or uh, cigar shaped that could be uh, uh, biological, aerial biological matter, that there's species that live high in the atmosphere, and when they come down, the air pressure compresses them so they reflect light. Like, there's all these other theories. But so the triangles are ours. The triangles are ours. That, that, that is our experimental What do you aircraft. think of UFOs? What's your take on it? I think that a majority of them are experimental aircraft because right. I've seen so much... Uh, not just research, but really brilliant scientist guys telling me like stuff they've been working on, and uh, you know just that simple experiment. If you take a copper pipe wrapped in aluminum with an electrical charge, and you drop an iron bolt through it, uh, and then one without electrical charge, they won't come out at the same time. Right. So one will actually defy gravity slightly, than uh, than the other one. Right. So so there's a way of altering the gravitational force through the use of electric uh, and different uh, materials. Oh, yeah, the magnetic field of the Earth. Kind of, yeah, but gravity is not magnetic. Right. Gravity is a force unto itself. It's a weak force, but it's uh, and that gets stronger in quantum mechanics. As we all know, do I have to explain quantum mechanics? <laughs> no, you don't. We'll edit it out. Everyone <laughs> knows what you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, but that the idea that gravity can be altered through uh, materials and electrical yeah. uh, manipulation. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, so that then that I would think is a lot of what the sightings have been. But there are things then I think good that aren't explained that are non-terrestrial. Yeah, you know, and listening to Dr. Roger Lear, who was a specialist, he's passed away in this last year, but he was a specialist in removing alien implants. And uh, that is a whole nother podcast, my friend. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I could blow your mind with that one. He's in our documentary, actually. Okay, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Um, there's uh, Darren Mooney, this writer who writes for the movie blog, who reviewed all the X-Files last year, who I think he's fantastic. He says... He puts it really well. He says, EBE is interesting because it explores a rather skeptical perspective on conspiracy and UFO subculture, making the rather elegant point that, in a very substantial way, Scully is far more cynical and suspicious than Mulder, yep. which is what we were talking about. Like, she's like, you just believe all the crazy shit, but they just want, there's like crazy shit that they're putting to you. Right. To make you weirder. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> to make you weirder. Yeah. And that's, a, you know, I think that that fundamental. Uh, way they wrote it so that they could flip back and forth because there's episodes where uh, Scully is totally the believer 
a Mueller's yes. the total skeptic. They totally do yeah, that. Yeah, and they do that back and forth, and they have variances yeah. like that. And that allowed that show to go for nine years. Yeah, and I think um, uh, there's another thing he said that I think uh, we've talked about this a little bit before. He thought that all of this is random, that there is no grand meaning, that all of these disasters and embarrassments are nothing but human error or chance or cruel coincidence is too much to bear. The only thing worse than imagining a cigarette-smoking boogeyman driving the world to the brink of destruction is the possibility that there is nobody at the wheel. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that, of course, is Bruce Harwood's biggest thing, that there's no conspiracy. It's just ass-covering, that there's some major screw-up, and everybody goes, oh, uh, you say this, and you, uh, this happened, and this happened, other than we screwed everything up, and it all went to hell. Yeah. So, I, you know... Is that scarier? I would think that's. I think it is. Maybe I don't I know. I think it is. <laughs> I don't know. I would. I think a conspiracy is way scarier than randomness because I know there's randomness. Right. But the the conspiracy I think is scarier because then I know how to sort of expect randomness. But if there's a conspiracy, then they're then you know they can do whatever they want. Yeah, but if it's randomness at the highest level, and that it's all without uh, some sort of pattern or anything focused or just yeah. like a direction we're all driving then that it's even seems like we're it's crazy man well at least we're car. all in it together then <laughs> if there's a conspiracy some of us are not in it together well exactly i guess that comes back to then uh, which side of the conspiracy are you on are you are you part of that which I'll is in it or outside of it yeah i don't know i'm i know i'm not part of the conspiracy so if there is a conspiracy <laughs> i don't i don't want it to be a conspiracy because if there is one i'm not part of it right I guess, yeah, unless you're benefiting from the conspiracy. Am I? I don't know if I am. I don't, well, it depends on what the conspiracy is, I suppose. It, I guess so. Right? I'm sure, certainly, like, you know, the NSA stuff, that's real conspiracy, and that's real. Right. Um, if there is aliens, there may, you know, the one conspiracy that I heard is that there's uh, Pleiadians and there's greys and there's all the uh, different species that are from different planets. Uh huh. And there's one that are out to wipe out the human race and they've been contained by us conspiring with the other alien forces ah. that have like stopped it from exterminating us. So therefore, it's actually a really good conspiracy. Oh, that's a good. Co that's interesting because right? later in the X Files, that becomes sort of a, a part of the conspiracy. Part of the conspiracy. There's different aliens there's and different. Al yeah, that that's a that's a common one, and that uh, some are are not uh, of altruistic means. Um, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well. It makes it exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> Thinking yeah, exactly. about it is fun. So now this is what I th do, talking about. Glenn Morgan is talking about this episode, and he right. says the inspiration came from the show's online fans who sought more information on the character. That's Deep Throat. Yeah. The two writers also wanted to know more about Deep Throat. They, they, he said the episode is built from that last scene. Deep Throat says he killed an alien, but you never know whether he's lying or not. Everyone will ask, is he lying or not? I think that worked. And they talk about going to the specific message boards exactly. that I've been reading on this podcast. The specific messages that I read are the ones that inspired this episode. That's so fucking awesome. Isn't that awesome? And became more and more... Uh, the relationship got closer and closer as the years went on, and particularly uh, the lone gunman. They had us say lines from the from, from the, the message from the boards. Yeah. So at one point, I had to say, "Hey, Mulder, do you want to hop on the internet and nitpick the scientific inaccuracies of Earth 2? I'm uh -huh. like, where did you guys get that? And they just thought, right here, this guy said it. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a whole subgroup of the alt files. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, this is what you, s you said. These are your words. You said, you know, they created the characters and it was just going to be a one-off thing. But I think because suddenly they realized that the lone gunmen were the representation of the online, the early, early online. Mm -hmm. Uh, fan gatherings that were happening back then and they were happening in news groups. There was a news group called Alt-TV X-Files. Yes. 
Um, and then you say uh, uh, Chris Carter, Frank Spotness, Vince Gilligan were all lurking on the side. And in fact, uh, they were so excited. This was the first time writers got a chance to get direct feedback anonymously. Like you could see the feedback, honestly, because if you go, hey, I'm Frank, I write the show, everyone's going to be like, I love yeah, the show. Yeah, I love the show. That's yeah. exactly what happens. Like nobody will say it to your face, going, unless it really sucked. But, but to actually have a discussion about like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. And like, you wouldn't actually have that in front of a writer of a show he wrote because it's like you'd be either starstruck or you don't want to hurt his feelings. You don't want to be an asshole. Yeah. You don't want to be the dick. But there was a chance for like one of the first chances where the writers got, oh, yeah, that is a very, you know, excellent line of reasoning. And even towards the end of the show, Chris had like three or four fans that he would call up and go, okay, if Mulder does this, does it ruin anything else of the last nine years? Oh. And they go, let's all, and they would all discuss it amongst themselves. They're going, no, that would be a perfect motivation. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So he was really close to the fans. That's, and you said here that, um, that when they put in the lone gunman, the internet like really, really loved him. Oh, yeah. And they would actually like bring us back. Early on. Based on that. Yeah, just to like ramp up chatter on the, on when they thought th it was starting to flag a bit or whatever. Oh, they bring they you guys on. Bring us on and like, oh my God, oh, this is the back and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you guys were popular, so we yeah. brought them back, and I'm going to read some of the messages that... Uh, you well, what was interesting about this one was that I've noticed that Glenn Morgan, James Wong, Alex Ganza, and Howard Gordon yeah. are always really hard on the episodes that they themselves wrote. Chris Carter, usually, he seems much more positive about a lot of the episodes, but yeah. these guys said... Um, they said... Well, first they said EBE is written for people who uh, felt that uh, were hardcore... X-Files fans, people into UFOs and every conspiracy imaginable, the movie, uh, they looked at all the president's men as an impetus, yeah. and they said... And Three uh, Days of the Condor came up, I know. Oh, yeah, they said did that. They, did they say that one in there? Uh, not in this one, right. but in a, in but a different one. Definitely, they said that, that was a big influence. They gave him a little backstory because that's what the people on the internet wanted. Yeah, and this yeah. Specifically from this message board. Um, and they said that they did the whole thing because they wanted a line of dialogue from Deep Throat, which is a, li a lie is best hidden between two truths. They right. really like that. And I actually, I was so, so th it happens, um, Fallen Angel, right after that is when people talk about like a Deep Throat, good or bad. That happens in November. And I was like, well, there's no way they could have written it. Well, the draft for this one was sent in in January. So they had a couple months. So they read this message board and from that wrote this episode wrote a couple months ago. I know. It was really close like that. And Glenn and James, I should point out, were brilliant writers for television because they would do, because they worked in the Cannell, Stephen J. Cannell's uh, production line. So they wrote Jump Street and Wise Guys and, and they were brilliant because they could write in a week and a half an entire episode including three pages of director's notes because all these directors would fly in from L.A. and yeah. they wouldn't know Vancouver at all. And the, uh, they would write, okay, so shoot the alley scene and this both on Cordova near Hastings because oh. then you can, get, you can get all of these 12 pages in one day. And so the, and so wow. the director would like read these three pages that the writers did and went, oh, this is really helpful. And then like they would get, and they would write it so that you could get a show of that quality inside of eight days. That's and interesting because yeah. right now people will write stuff and they're just like, and then there's a giant alien uh, being show. So what, what are we going to do that? We're going to do that. Yeah. I know even when they did uh, Jessica Alba's uh, Dark Angel. That? <laughs> of and, course. Uh, James Cameron wrote an episode which had a nine page 
on top of a moving electric bus fight. That yeah. was like nine pages of bus fighting. Yeah. not doing that. We don't have James Cameron money. <laughs> exactly. Even though he's producing it, and yeah. theoretically they probably could. could but it's, you know, we're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. We just there's a fight uh, inside the bus. and uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it. four pages. And it's four pages. And two of those are just dialogue. As yes, yeah, exactly. So. Uh, they said that they wanted to do an episode. Um, uh, they said executives at Fox expressed a lot of opposition to this episode. This is from Sci-Fi Universe. They particularly protested against his depiction of Deep Throat, believing he was a stock character who shouldn't be explored by the writers and who should be simply used to feed information to Mulder. Glenn Morgan, Chris Carter showed the executives the same online comments uh, ah. and then convinced them. So these right, comments that I read you know, a couple of weeks ago are the exact ones that they showed the Fox executives. Like, hey, no, look, people want this shit. Right, and I think that was also the first thing because it used to be the uh, for every fan letter you got, there was 10,000 people who haven't written that's so, of course so that was the the algorithm for the longest time on tv show fan letters so so if you got a thousand letters that mean there was a hundred thousand fans on on your show writing about this one thing so a lot of those executives still had that algorithm in their head oh, so there were like a hundred thousand there must be yeah if there's 40 we got four hundred thousand people <laughs> that want this so surely surely okay you're right we're, we're going to change that if four hundred thousand people want that the character to be different oh uh, wow this is the beginning of the internet so they don't know they, how they, it have, works. they have no idea so they're yeah. still putting it to to snail mail uh, rules and it was like oh it took them a while. Like another generation for them to go, oh, wait a sec, what? That's, yeah. just, that's online chatter. It's, uh, what's interesting is that in the beginning, Glenn Morgan, James Wong thought that they didn't realize that you guys, that the lone gunman were going to be this popular. They thought, they were like, I really felt we didn't do a great job on the script. <laughs> At the end, I felt like we didn't really gain a lot of new ground or learn a lot of new things. I think we played a lot of texture instead of substance. And they said that the way they weren't happy with how they'd written The Lone Gunman. They didn't think that they were going to be like great characters. Well, okay. t case in point, that, that first scene with us really doesn't progress the story a lot. No, but it's a great scene. It's a great scene. It's no. It's a really funny it. scene. And it's funny scene, and they get a chance to put in all the weird conspiracy theories of like the magnetic strip and the dollar bill and like all, yeah. of, that, all of that stuff, and then a, a goofy relationship with Frohickey and Scully. Yeah. Like they got all that in. But in terms of like writing for television, and every scene has to forward the story. That's right. They learn nothing. They learn nothing. They that is actually they learn nothing. It's actually three minutes of just pure gunman funness. Yeah, it's like, like comedy us. and yeah, funness. I read like a thing somewhere that you guys are having trouble ripping the twenty dollar bill. Right? Is that right? Well, you you weren't allowed to reverse right. it. They only had like because it was. Two twenty dollar bills because we had Canadian money up there. So okay. there was like there was two U.S. twenty dollar bills. Really? Yeah, on set. And so the props guy just goes, uh, "This is all we had in the budget for." Oh, <laughs> forty like, bucks. Forty bucks for for money to tear. So just do it right on the first take. And it's like, uh, like oh, we've never ripped we've a twenty dollar bill. And so you have to like look up at the light, and he's like trying to pick it out, and it's taking forever. They all cut. Yeah. It's like okay, we start again. This is the last one. Do it right. And so it's edited, but it took forever to peel that damn strip out <laughs> of the <laughs> <laughs> They don't make it easy. Oh, man. Uh, no. Chris Carter really liked this episode. He said about Deep Throat, he said, I think it helps to take his character in an interesting direction, which is to make him as much a man who can be trusted as sometimes mistrusted. As mistrusted, exactly. Yeah. And this back and forth, this is the whole nature of the show and what the writers did really smart, which, you know, even though you had a Bible that said this character is the believer and all of a sudden, you screwed with that. You, yeah, you, you screwed flipped with it all that. the time, and you flipped that 
which is what then all the writers went on to do. I mean, you think of Vince Gilligan going from that to Breaking Bad. Yes. And how that character, Walter White, you could see so much of that kind of writing technique where it flips between he's a good guy. Oh, my God, he's a badass. Oh, he's guy, the like, worst guy. Worst guy. And then he redeems it. Like, he keeps flipping back yeah. and forth. Like, this, this you are, you are rooting for a meth dealer who's a murderer yeah murdered for no reason like yeah jesse's girlfriend just letting her choke to death on a oh yeah standing there just like what that did not you know there's so much yeah right and yeah it's all, it's all shades of gray that make and it Vince, interesting you know he really thanks chris carter in like terms of uh instilling in him the writing ethic tried to make the best show possible but there's also this idea of flipping that character around and, and like really working as TV writers that, you know, really shows up years later. Yeah, adding layers to it. So this Go episode ahead. did a 6.2 with a 9 share, which means 9% of households watched it, a total of 5.8 million households watched it. So wow. I watched the first, yeah, which is a huge hit now, but back then, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. That was fine. I know it was that fine. Season, it was like, yeah. And even my agent didn't know. I said, oh, you got an audition for the X-Files. Go, What's that? I don't know. FBI alien thing? Yeah. Or, like, could not give me any information. I mean, um, so uh, uh, so this episode actually is a little bit below uh, uh, Young at Heart, which is the one before it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it really, from this one, I've noticed if there's a really good episode, ratings go up the next week. Right. If there's a bad episode, ratings go down the next week. So this one, ratings go up because it's such a great episode. What point were you doing this where you were like, oh, this is a thing. This is, this is a thing. Thing. Well, do you remember uh, having that thought? Well, there was a, uh, let's see, there was a radio, uh, CBC radio show where suddenly we were mentioned and I was like getting ready for like in the morning, just brush my teeth. And I'm like, wait, I, what? They're talking about me on the radio. Yeah. What the hell? This is like a weird third thing that I'm like not even part of. Like, yeah. So it was like, oh, that's kind of a weird thing. And then uh, it wasn't until, because I was doing theater sports every night. I was doing 10 shows a week. Uh, for like almost the entire run of the show. So I'd be performing every night. So I didn't watch TV and I yeah. wasn't keeping up on that. And then I was like, you know, it was a really busy time. So I wasn't clear till, uh, uh, an actress came up to me and she goes, did you see the recap? Like they recapped season one for the start of season two. Like they do. Yeah. Like an like hour, like trying to catch everybody up. Yeah. And she goes, you were in that. <laughs> Uh, like, oh my God, you're part of the show. Yeah. Like she could not wrap her head around that the three of us were like highlighted in this thing. And like, oh my God, we're, we were in that? Like I couldn't. So I think right about there. You were like, oh, this is becoming something. That's right. And then David Nutter, who uh, directed a bunch of great directed episodes. Directed a bunch of them. Now he's the go-to guy for your pilot. Do you know that? Do you have a pilot? You get oh. David Nutter to direct it and it's. Goes to series. Yeah. He's the magic yeah. fairy dust on every show. Uh he came up to us. We're all, you know, at the commissary table, and he's got Cinefantastique yeah. magazine, and there's the review of the EBE, and he goes, "You guys are coming back a lot." <laughs> <laughs> and he ended it. I like, "Holy!" Like we read that, and we're like, "Oh my god!" It mentioned you guys specifically. Specifically, they said, "I think the quote, if I recall." was we stole the show. Oh, nice. Yeah. Even though it's a three-minute scene three where minute no scene. story is Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then a little tag afterwards. Like yeah. That was it. Yeah, it was like, you stole the show. Yeah. It's so weird, but yeah. Well, what's cool is that you hadn't seen those kinds of characters. I mean, you'd seen Max Fennig, but he's a guy who's got his own demons and stuff. You guys yeah. seem fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that we were uh, in for the truth. Like, that was the, the basis for what 
held the three of us together. Yeah. And because uh, three completely different people. Completely different people. And even you know, uh, I'll you know the Ramones T-shirt. I'll bring back. I'll tell yes. the story. So the Ramones, uh, Fox Legal had to call the Ramones to say uh, that we want to use your T-shirt in this show called The X Files, and they went, "Well, hang on." We're going to watch it. And apparently the whole band sat down and watched an episode and said, ah, oh, we love the show. Totally. <laughs> we're in. And then they watched it. For They were religious. They would actually end gigs early to go. Watch the X-Files? To watch the X-Files. They would like play early. Like if it was like a four band or whatever, they would demand to go on first so they could all run home and watch the X-Files. Oh, on that's a Friday amazing. Night. Isn't that amazing? And then when Joey got cancer and I, uh, I talked to uh, the other band members, uh, all he asked for uh, was to watch Lone Gunman episodes of the X-Files and the Lone Gunman spinoff. He Aww. just watched that, yeah, as he, as he uh, had lymphoma cancer and, and he went home from the hospital to go back to his apartment on uh, the Lower East Side. He would just watch that till his final Just Lone Gunman. Lone Gunman. Oh, that's I know, so right? sweet. And so they invited me to the Bowery Ballroom for the posthumous Joey Ramone's birthday party, which is a cancer benefit. And so Mickey and Johnny was still alive then and Joey's mother was there and the Ramones financial planner who wears a leather jacket, like they were all there and they said, we, you know, the, we, you, you were so uh, big in his life and we loved the show so much that anytime you're in New York, we've kept his apartment exactly as is and you're welcome to stay there for free. Did you? No, it would have blown <laughs> my mind. Kidding? I never did. I never <laughs> took him up on that. But oh it was like, man. what an offer. I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, how does it feel being, this is such a big question, but feel uh, being like such a big part of, you know, popul the pop culture landscape? I, I mean, X-Files is a show that changed TV forever. The effects of it are still felt. I mean, shows like Lost, there's so many sci-fi shows on now. X-Files was the first one that really like made it mainstream and you were such a big part of it. Like, how yeah, does it yeah, feel it to have such a legacy? Uh, well, you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm riding that wave for as long as that surfboard will hold up, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love it. And uh, I never, you know, people go, oh, you must be sick of these questions. I'm like, no, not really. You go to, like, conventions I and stuff? I go to conventions. I, I do a one-man improvised X-Files episode on stage where I drag fans up and they play Mulder and stuff like that. Oh, so yeah, fun. So fun. And then I... Uh, uh, I also draw and paint, and so a lot of the fans go, well, why was the Lone Gunman spinoff canceled so soon? But such a long story, I actually drew a comic book called Why the Lone Gunman Was Canceled that I just sell at the conventions as opposed to answering the question. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it's a long, it's a long story. Well, it's, it's interesting, like, you know, this conversation with fans and feel, feels like X-Files is one of the first shows to really have that. And here I went to the message boards from that week. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go and see these. Yeah, things. you got to go like, look it up. I didn't realize they still existed. They're still there. Everything's Man. there. If it's online, it's staying. It's alive forever. I'm like 93 online. Yeah. Like my 91 emails from, like. Well, I don't know about emails, see? but this shit's somewhere. Yeah, um, it's amazing. Uh, people are saying uh, in this one, Scully calls uh, Deep Throat Deep Background. And why, why don't they call him Deep Thro Throat? And people are like, you know, I, we're the only ones who call him Deep Throat. They say, um, uh, I thought we were calling him Deep Throat because the episode in which he was first ref appeared was called Deep Throat. And it was an obvious reference to the Watergate informant. Right. And they said, people said, did Scully ever call him Deep Throat? I thought that Deep Throat was a name that us Usenet folks had attached to him. So people were just calling him Deep Throat online and then that became the name of the character. Again, same that's a conversation between the show and the fans. And that's the same thing with Cigarette Smoking Man. Originally, if you look at that pilot, 
he doesn't have any lines. It's just, no, he's just a guy. Just a guy standing there, and that's how they were like gonna oh just make a weird sort of murky world of mysterious shadow figures all over. The yeah, place. and then suddenly and everybody went oh who's that the cigarette smoking man back there? Yeah, and, and then I, he became the cigarette smoking man. <laughs> that was his name. That became a big part of the character too. He yeah. always had cigarettes. And then there was one season where they called him Cancer Man. Yes, that's I right. I think Mulder maybe said that, but I think he yes. may have said that because it was already for, referred to in the. Yeah, the I remember when they too. called him Cancer Man. Yeah, um, yeah. And then people are talking about it. They say the. Uh, um, they only refer to him as deep background, but you know we're the only ones who call him deep throat. And then it starts to become like that. Here we go. This is you guys. <laughs> so I like the introduction of the lone gunman. I wouldn't mind seeing them again. <laughs> so this is the shit that leads to you having a job for so long. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Had I known to get on the news group, I would have probably just gone anonymously. Going, oh, yeah. those guys are great. <laughs> you know what? Those guys should have their own series. Yeah. Uh, so, this yeah. one guy listed the lone gunman people as the best part of the episode. Uh, uh, what I saw, this guy says, when I saw that one guy, I immediately thought of Garth from Wayne's World. <laughs> Do you know who he's talking about? <laughs> Which one of the three? Do In you fact, think the, the fans early on, I think around '94, they sent me a button that says I'm not Garth. Ah, oh. the conventions and oh, stuff. so this is where it started. This is the first guy to say that exactly. And that, that became a button later. And I was doing stand up in Toronto when Mike Myers was at Second City. So I'm not saying he stole that look from me, but I'm just saying. Oh, he, he <laughs> might have. He might have. Um, uh, people noticed, like I noticed that Frohickey of the Lone Gunman was played by first assist by first AD uh, Tom Braidwood, mm -hmm. and then they say, "Oh, there's a ID that they use, the fake ID that you guys give him." Yeah. Uh, one of the names is Tom Braidwood. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, Mulder's yeah. name. That's right. Um, yeah, when it's printed out on the thing, it says Tom Braidwood. Yeah. There's a lot of those jokes all through the series. That's like that. great. Yeah. I love that stuff. Uh, and it's all being caught on these message boards. Now it's become such a thing, but this is the beginning of that yeah, kind of stuff. Of it, yeah, where they were like really observe those shows. People and getting Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah, freaking everybody out like all those Easter eggs, like. Oh, we were just having it as an in-joke because the props guy would often do it. Go, what name are we going to do? Uh, Tom Braidwood. Like, he wouldn't yeah. even, like, do it as, like, a gag. It was just running out of ideas yeah. of what to put on there, thinking that it's going to be, like, a half-second shot. What the hell, man? It's just it's a half-second. So it's around forever. Yeah, now everybody dug yeah. it up. Uh, and then people are reacting to the fact that, you know, these guys sort of, they don't know that they've been troll that they've been sort of listening but they say that they like, you know, as for Deep Throat, I must conclude, you know, people are talking about this is exactly the kind of episode I like, Aliens, Deep Throat, government cover-ups. So they gave the audience what they wanted, and the audience is reacting. They said, yeah. I thought this was one of the best episodes yet. As for there being many unanswered questions, this is true, but do we want the show to go on a while, don't we? <laughs> um, and I noticed this episode, there's a ton more um, traffic on the message boards now. Before this, it's not as much, but this is the first episode where I realized like tons of people are now commenting. So yeah. it's catching on online. Well, I think that was the thing. I think once they realized that this uh, was connecting to the actual yeah. creators of the show. Oh, then it goes like, crazy. Everybody goes crazy. Go, oh, yeah. wait, I could... I can actually connect. Yeah. I want to be a part of that whole, yeah. like, steering a show uh, like a giant ship sort of thing. Well, it's interesting because the last week's episode that I recorded, they talk, uh, people are like, oh, we want to give the show people ideas. And then some people are like, that's so stupid. That's never going to happen. They really were doing they it. They really were doing it. Uh, this, this guy says, I was completely fooled by Deep Throat. I had him pegged the CIA, but I figured he was helping Mulder as part of a turf war between the CIA and the military. Both organizations would want a monopoly on ETs. It makes sense to me that Deep Throat would be a company exec using Mulder to find out what the military has. That he is helping Mulder out of a sense of altruism left me saying, uh, pull the other one. It got bells on it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. But uh, basically, people are having the exact conversations that the creators wanted them to have. Exactly. And this is now you know, demanded by every TV show. Like, yes. Think of a show now that doesn't have 
that connection going on. In, and like I said, you know, you go pitch something now. They go, well, have you already have a web series? Does it have oh, chatter? Oh, yeah, like exactly. All that sort of this is the hashtag. Does it, yeah. Did you yeah. did you already develop a 10,000-person a fan base Yeah. so that uh, we can now use that as a marketing leverage to, like, sell this thing? Because otherwise, we're not going to... We're not going to do any heavy lifting. Oh, they, they sell shows based on Twitter followers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And things like that. Um, uh, well, it's been so wonderful talking to oh you. Yeah, Thanks man. so it's much for coming. It's the, I'm sorry I have no more uh, hilarious stories. Oh, no, no you have a tell. When, 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 um, how many auditions did you have for this thing? I oh meant to God. ask you. Uh, well, three. Oh. But I was the same character the whole time. And no, I mean for the first one. Yeah, yeah, the, for ABE. Yeah, but uh, one one audition. One audition, uh, came in, didn't know what they wanted. You know, normally in a room you go in and there's everybody that sort of looks like you, right? Yes. So it's like a bunch of blonde-haired guys or whatever. Yeah. You know, you're sitting behind, and it's everybody in town. Oh yeah, no, like, I go and I know all the Indian Pakistani yeah, actors. Indian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's a whole room of you and you're yeah. all going and it's basically a minor variance. Oh yeah, the handsome version of you. Yeah. The fat version of you. <laughs> the yeah. taller version of yes. you. Yes. Like, yeah, the other guy who's got more acting. Whatever. Yes, right? exactly. Like, you just start freaking yourself out in the room. I walk into the room. It is across the board. There are comedians. There's guys in military fatigues that are six feet high with shaved heads. There's you know uh, overweight guys in suits. Uh, there's like everybody. I'm like, are we all? Am I in the wrong room? What the hell? I've never seen any of you guys at an audition before. That That's amazing. Into. So we're all going in, and they say, uh, okay, uh, let's go in just one at a time. And you're either reading Langley or Frohickey, either yeah. one, or Byers. But we don't know. No, just read Frohickey or Langley, because those would be the two tough ones. So I go in, and I think it's a ridiculous audition, because we do the scene also of Mulder on the phone. Uh-huh. And Or no, we do the, the scene, but I'm on the phone for uh -huh. a part of it. So it's the two casting directors talking to each other <laughs> while I'm just sitting You're there just waiting. pretending I'm on the yeah. phone. And they're reading all the lines. I'm like, yeah. oh, you're kidding me. What a waste of time. Anyway, yeah, thank you very much. Hey, it's been great, blah, blah, blah. I Did you up. feel like it went well? Uh, yeah. Well, I remember it was really uh, a very uh, – uh, the rain had stopped in Vancouver rarely, and it was a beautiful blue sky – I was like, wow, look how blue that sky is. That's all I sort of remember. Yeah, this day could not get yeah, any better. This day <laughs> could not get any better. I had an audition, saw my yeah. friends in the lobby, had a laugh. It was great. Uh, so then I got a call. Yeah, they want you to come in, and you're either reading either part again, uh, but they're, uh, they want you to come in again. Okay. And I go in, and I'm reading against guys to play buyers. Yeah. So I read against uh, uh, this guy uh, who's in a big suit, and he's kind of, oh, very nerdy, yeah. and he's, he's got nerdy glasses on, and I don't. I'm sort of like just playing it pretty relaxed, yeah. cool rocker. And they're like, okay, thanks. And I'm, I don't know what that was about. Then they call back, and they go, okay, why don't you come in and read again? And I'm reading against my best friend, who's playing Byers, Gary Jones. And Gary Jones later went on to go Stargate SG-1 as uh, uh, Walter Harriman, the oh, guy okay. who opens the gate. Oh. For nine seasons on. <laughs> he opened the gate for nine seasons. Nine <laughs> seasons. He was the computer guy who opened the gate yeah. on Stargate SG-1, and here he was auditioning for buyers. And we were best of friends. We were best men at each other's weddings. We improvised all together all the time on stage. We said, oh, my God, wouldn't it be so cool? We did a TV show yeah. together. He didn't get it. I got it. And then come the day, I get to the trailer, and there's Bruce Harwood, who I never read with. I go, who are you? Oh, I'm playing buyers. 
I never saw yeah. that. Yeah. I don't know. Who's playing for Lincoln? The first AD. <laughs> oh, you gotta be kidding. What kind yeah, of bullshit is this? Is, this? this is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, we're, oh, we're, yeah. I'm going to make my day today. Yeah, and then, then you come in and just go, okay, everybody, this is shit ass serious. <laughs> this is like, what the hell show was this? <laughs> well, it turns out it was the best case scenario. Know, Could know, not have gone better. I have no idea. Uh, like, thank you so much. Uh, you I was so excited to talk to you, man. I was nervous. I mean, I'm such ah. a huge, huge fan of the show. And I, I, I have been, you know, like I said, I've watched this is the fourth time I'm watching it. Thank and I uh, love your characters on the show so much it's been a real thrill is this Thank stuff you, you want to promote uh let's see go to my website that will be finally functioning part of the hassle over the years of being a computer hacker is computer hackers actually go fuck with your website so is that right oh my god so, so you're a real teenagers? hacker i'm not a real hacker right that was fake but oh. real hackers then come in and fuck with my site to see if i'm like know my chops oh my god which i don't really so no so every time i set up something like to sell or like that's the so funny of south and you know so now i got one i'm doing another one uh, nobody hack it, please. Please don't. If you don't mind. Uh, he concedes you guys win. <laughs> you win. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. All the, the hackers have won. Yes, you did well. Yeah. You can now go get a job. Uh, and then, um, uh, so DeanHaglin.com. You follow me on Twitter, DHaglin. Uh, I got my own podcast, Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. Hilarious every Monday. It's free for seven years now. Uh, oh, wow. I know. That's a long time to do a podcast. And... Uh, they just started the No Left Turn on Broadway. So now oh, is that what this yeah, is? That's what that is. So everybody honks now because they still remember the time you could turn oh, left. Oh, we noticed that coming in, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that just happened in the last month. Okay, so. well, that explains the honking if you guys could hear it if at you're home. Uh, thanks so much for talking, man. Thanks, Kamal. All right, that was Dean Haglin. Hopefully you guys liked that episode. Um, email me at thexfilesfiles at gmail.com. Uh, at... X-Files Files on Twitter. Go to the subreddit, talk about the show. And um, if you go to feralaudio.com, you can go donate to them. Um, that's another way you can support the show. You know, uh, Dustin runs Feral Audio. He started it. They have a bunch of awesome podcasts. And he works really, really hard for very little money. So if you donate, that would help us out a lot. Um, next week, we are talking about uh, two really, really great episodes. We're talking about Darkness Falls, and we're talking about Tombs, which is the sequel to Squeeze, so Eugene Tombs comes back. Um, they're both really great episodes in sort of different ways, and Tombs really sets up the rest of the season and the rest of the entire run of the X-Files really well. So, some sort of stuff happens at the end that really um, keys into what's going to happen to uh, the show in coming episodes and seasons. So, um, yeah, two really great episodes coming up. Thanks for listening. Hey, wrestling fans. And non-wrestling fans. Check out our podcast, You Should Love Wrestling, the show where we try to convince our friend Hi. to love wrestling. I hate wrestling. We talk about all the best and worst parts of wrestling. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Spills a lot of beer. Or Yoshiko. That's a literal sex doll that wrestles. All in an effort to help you love professional wrestling. Subscribe to You Should Love Wrestling on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app.